0: We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for June 6th, 2010. And today we'll be continuing our current event and weekly Bible study series. Just to go over the table of contents for today. uh, We'll go over some Bible verses regarding the subject of truth to start out with. And then we're going to do a rather in-depth expose on the whole... uh, thing that happened this week with the uh, flotilla, the supposed uh, Gaza Freedom flotilla that um, Israel had to deal with. We're going to be looking at that from a lot of different angles and um, then when we're done with that then we're going to get be looking also at the uh, Gulf oil spill again. we're going to be looking at that some more some more news I've gotten this week regarding that subject and then just a variety of topics toward the end. Uh, we're looking a little bit at this Denver International Airport and the Anubis statue that was just installed there. Uh, we're going to be looking at Comedy Central's, um, their blasphemy in this this latest show that they're thinking about debuting called J.C. Standing for Jesus Christ, and the absolute unbelievable blasphemy regarding that. We're going to be looking at how Obama has um, also... Um, Kicked off Lesbian, Gay, bi, Bisexual, and Transgendered Month. He's announced uh, July or June is that month to honor the uh, uh, the lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgendered. And then also Gay Day, which just kicked off. It's kicking off as we speak. Um, it already has done that at Disney. I believe it was yesterday was the the main day for it, Saturday. And um, just touching on the uh, documentary I was in, Aquarius, The Age of Evil. Touching on that at the very end. Uh, This is going to be a rather in-depth study. I really spent a lot of time this week, probably more time this week than I've ever spent on a study. It started literally Sunday night, because this information is just pouring in. And it's to the point now where I can hardly even keep up with it. Even though this is the only thing I'm really focused on right now, it is, there's just so much of it coming in. And literally, the way things are looking, I really don't know from on a week-to-week basis if this will be my last study. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do as much as I can if that were to be the case to supply as much warning as I can as well and to verify and cross-confirm. So, just to start off with, here's some Bible verses just regarding the subject of truth. And these come up a lot. I'll have people emailing me, just came up two or three times this week, and they're frustrated at people, their friends or their family, or many times people that call themselves Christians, they don't want to hear any of this type of information. They don't want to, want to know about it, they don't want to hear about it. They are content with their knowledge base, they're content with nightly news, and with whatever they're getting at church. And they're ignoring a lot of things in the Bible regarding the end times, regarding the strong delusion, regarding the fact that evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 So, these evil men and seducers are waxing, meaning growing, worse and worse, and their, their main objective is to deceive you. The Bible talks about, in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits... And doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. So all of that speaks to deceiving and deception. All of that, you know, departing from the faith, heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, these are all lies. And so, this is, if we were ever to be on guard, if there was ever a time period that we were supposed to be on guard... Now is the time. Now is the time would be the last time you would ever take at face value what the mainstream secular satanically controlled media is telling you. Granted, not to say that every bit of what comes out of secular media is all lies. Or it could sometimes be ninety percent truth and ten percent lie, but that's what rad poison is. Rat poison's like, you know, ninety nine percent. 98 or 99% good rat food, and 1% to 2% poison. That's all it takes, because the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And um, so we have to really be on guard for this. There's verse after after verse after verse. Jesus Christ said in Matthew 24, the main, main thing that you want to bear in mind regarding the end times is, take heed that no man deceive you. We're, we're you know... And again, I I could sit here and just do a total study on that one thing. But just some some verses regarding dealing with people that don't care about truth or have no interest in truth. Because a lot of people, I've already been there and done it, kind of regarding the subject, and maybe these verses will help you some. Because there comes a time when you stop dealing with people like that. You don't want to waste your effort anymore. And let's just look at these verses. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, "He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him." So the people that, uh, you know, they've already their their minds made up. Don't confuse them with facts. They already know. Now sometimes I'll get people accusing me of this. The the thing is is the vast majority of the time that I would ever be accused, I've already seen their argument. 40 other times and dealt with it. Uh, I get, some of these emails I get are, you know, these just laundry list, page after page of all these questions. I don't have time at this point to go through and answer these gigantic emails. And it's not going to matter anyway because that person's mind is absolutely 100% made up. And there's no, I mean, the, the Hebrew Roots movement in particular, that's I would say where I've gotten the most of those types of questions. Uh, getting a lot on the whole. There's there's a lot been a lot of controversy as of late on the whole British-Israelism, Black Israelite Hebrew roots movement as well, or, or Black Israelite um, movement, meaning they've usurped the twelve, 12 tribes of, of of the Jews, and uh, a lot of people, or the Seventh Day Adventists, a lot from them. Um, I've already done uh, several studies on the Hebrew roots. We've done a study on the Seventh-day or no, we haven't done a study on the Seventh-day Advent. The reason that I, I'm having a really hard time getting back to individual studies anymore is because of all the breaking news, and it's just monopolizing um, my, my time regarding this. I would love to do, there's probably one to two hundred studies I would really like to do. Just don't know if time is ever going to permit that to happen. These other things are more of a, of an immediate impact on our lives. So, um, he that answereth the matter, before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame on him. This is what you'll typically run into with most of the people you're going to deal with, because they've already been brainwashed by the mainstream secular media, or, and I hate to say this, in the lukewarm environment they may be going to regarding the church. Now, not everybody, but I'm talking about the majority. Um, Galatians 4.16 says, Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. The answer to this question is usually yes. You will become someone's enemy when you tell them the truth. Because they don't have any real interest in the truth. Most people. Not all, but most. So just understand that that when you become a born-again Christian and you start operating in truth, and you start trying to give that truth out to your friends, or even the people you've went to church with, most of the time they're going to want nothing to do with it, and they will become your enemy, on some level or another. That is common, that is essentially, from my experience, pretty much normal. It's just the way it goes. Jesus Christ said, Think, think not that I came, to bring, uh, came I not on earth to bring peace, but a sword. And a man's foes will be those of his own household. So that a lot of times will happen too um, with with, uh, family members as well. Proverbs, now here's two verses back to back. And when I first saw these as kind of a new Christian, I was really confused about these. Until I had a pastor explain to me the difference. And I'm going to explain to you the difference right now. Proverbs 26.4 says, answer not a fool according to his folly lest thou also be like unto him. Proverbs 26.5, the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So those seem to be contradictory. Well, the, the thing is, is, when you look at this, what you have to look at is that there is a time that you answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And then there's a time that you answer not a fool according to his folly lest thou also be like unto him. Now, let me explain this. Normally, if you're just dealing with somebody for the first time, unless it's just something so outrageous and so nutty, I will tend to engage somebody that's, let's say, they're involved in a cult. Okay? And um, Jehovah Witness or whatever, Seventh-day Adventist, which I do call a cult, absolutely, 100%. and And I can prove that. Um or a cult-like belief system. Many times I will engage them at the beginning, but I will not continue to engage them over and over, because all it is, is the devil trying to waste your time and burn up your time. They've been warned. If you have given them the information, and you've tried to help them, and all you've gotten from them is sharp criticism, and no willing to yield on any point of truth, then, as far as I'm concerned, for the most part, At least this is how it usually works out for me, is my work's done. I've done all I can do. I can't, the thing you have to understand is you can't help everybody. I can't help everybody. Most people don't want to be helped. Most people want to be deceived. Well, how could you say that? Well, the Bible says, narrow the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go thereat. Well, if they're on the path to destruction, and that's the way most people are going to go, doesn't that also, can't we just also assume that to mean that most people are deceived? They're on the broad path, they're on the way to destruction. They don't have any real interest in truth. Now, of all times in history, again, we should be be really looking at this and realizing that this is the way things are going to be, that this is what the Bible predicted is going to happen. And it shouldn't be something that, that we get um, all crazy about. Let's just go ahead and read Second Thessalonians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. So we can reiterate this uh, in totality, this whole portion of scripture, because I'll, I'll quote portions of it, but rarely do I quote the whole thing, because usually I'm in the middle of a study and it's not practical. Verse 3, let no man deceive you, again, here we go, first thing, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed. This is regarding, even regarding the end times here that, that we're moving into. There's going to be a falling away, that, that falling away is derived from the word apostia, apostia or apostasy in the Greek. And this is a falling away of literally people that I, I believe are professing to be Christians. There will come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed. Now, the world is also falling away from truth. The, the world is, is also moving more and more and more into deception. And then the man of sin be revealed, meaning the Antichrist. So this is we're right on the cusp of this happening. The falling away is already in full force. Okay, That's already being has been fulfilled. The man of sin has not been revealed yet. Okay? The son of perdition. And then it goes on to describe the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. We know that he's going to go into the temple, he's going to commit the abomination of desolation, most likely at the mid-tribulation point, in the middle of the three and a half years. He's going to proclaim himself to be God, and this is called the abomination of desolation. Okay, so, he opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. That's confirmation of that abomination of desolation. Or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God. Again, the abomination of desolation. This is going to be committed in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem, showing himself that he is God. Well, isn't that always been Satan's plan from the very beginning, even in back going back to Ezekiel, when it first describes him being, you know, false? Falling, he said, "I will be like God. I will ascend under the sides of the north." He wanted to be, he wanted to be God, essentially. And it said because of his merchandise and of his beauty, he was lifted up. He ha- must have had, from an angelic standpoint, great possessions. He was very, very beautiful. The Bible refers to him as the anointed cherub that covereth, most likely covered the throne of God. He was a cherub. He wasn't a standard. Uh, like, angel. He was a cherub, which is an angelic being, but there's cherubim, seraphim, angels, archangels, there's different hierarchies. And the cherubs probably being near the very, very, very top. And he got proud. And then he became jealous of God. Okay, so this has always been his goal. And he's never changed his tactics. Throughout all the, the, uh, Thousands of years that he's been around. So then, verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now you know that, now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity, iniquity meaning like sin, lawlessness, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let Until he be taken out of the way. This um, is usually referred to as like the Holy Spirit or some type of holy force hindering the Antichrist being revealed. Hindering the lawless one from coming to power. Okay, Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. What this implies is this this, it's almost like the restraining hand of God is there restraining this from happening until it's taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed. That wicked here is with a capital W in the King James Bible in verse 8, meaning it's almost like another proper name for the Antichrist that wicked, the lawless one. Is, is what it's actually defined as. The wicked will be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. At the end of the tribulation when Jesus Christ comes back on a white horse, the King of kings and Lord of lords, faithful and true with his saints, what comes out of his mouth? The sword, the sword of the spirit. Well, what does it say here? Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. This is the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So anyway, just to give you a little clarification there. This totally lines up with the Bible, as you can see what we're saying here. Just apply it to Scripture. Verse 9, Even him who's coming is after the working of Satan with all power in lying signs and wonders. This is the very chief way that he is going to deceive the whole world. Through lying signs, wonders, and it also mentions miracles. Not only the Antichrist, but the false prophet. And I would imagine every other... Uh, there's going to be a lot of Antichrist, small a, Christ figures around there, around the same time, and we're moving into that right now. That are also going to be able to perform miracles and like. But I think that the Antichrist and the false prophet, by far, will be the most adept and proficient at this high level witchcraft. Why do I say that? Because the essence of the coming one world religion is going to be witchcraft. Who on the planet is going to be the most adept at witchcraft? Well, obviously the Antichrist and the false prophet. That's what we should expect. So, Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Remember, it's deceiving. Because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. People are not going to receive the love of the truth. They're going to be deceived, is what it's saying here. And for this cause, God, it says God, shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, So it's very important that, I understand, the the main truth is saved through the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his finished work. Okay, that is the main truth. Um, But what concerns me is the multitude of professing Christians that seem to be very lukewarm, content with their, their position. They're not being fed truth. They're being deceived. They're not being told about these types of issues that we get into on a week-by-week basis here. They're not being warned. And they're content in that. And it reminds me of Revelation 3, where it talks about the Laodicean church, that they're neither hot nor cold, but they're lukewarm. But yet, they think they're in need of nothing. Yet, God sees them as blind, wretched, weak, naked before him. They don't see that's why the Bible says that I counts of thee to buy me to uh, buy me ab, that thou mayest see in white raiment. You know, these are things that um I just don't see being done. Or anybody really uh, most of the the average church having really any desire for. It says God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. God's going to do it. So again, the whole earmark of the end times, the one thing that we are to be on guard against most of all is being deceived. And a lot of what we get into on a weekly basis, there I would say the vast majority of professing Christians are deceived about. And they're content to be deceived. And when you try to give them the truth on this, they don't want anything to do with it. It concerns me greatly because I truly wonder, are they really you know, I wonder if they're really saved. I don't know. I mean, that's between them and God. But all I'm saying is that it doesn't bode well for a person who calls themselves a Christian, that wants nothing to do with the truth, that has been content to stay where they're staying. And when the strong delusion really, really starts, which, I mean, it's here, but it's not, we've really seen nothing yet. I've given you a lot of case scenarios of what could happen in the future, but most of that hasn't actually happened full-fledged yet. But when that really kicks in, and then you have things thrown into that, like martial law, like, let's say, a false flag nuclear event, let's say, a biological uh, attack, let's say, a flu pandemic. Uh, you could go on and on and on. Maitreya. World War Three, UFO landings. Who knows what kind of deception is coming down... It, it, most likely, there, a good scenario is that this may all happen in, uh, together in a very short time span. If you were Satan, wouldn't that be the way you work things out in order to instill maximum fear and terror and impact? That by itself could change somebody's mindset. They may say, oh, I'll never, I'll never buy into any of this. But then when all this stuff is going down at the same time, and let's say you don't have any food. Let's say you don't have any water. Let's say you don't have any more money. Well, you're going to really need to be rooted and grounded on the solid rock of Jesus Christ in order to be able to bear up and get through that particular time. Now, God always preserves a remnant. Always. And yes, I know some will be martyred. And and the majority may be martyred. I don't really know how the Lord Jesus Christ is going to work it out. But I also have the faith to believe that he can protect us no matter what. And the more prepared we are prior to these events, the better. The Bible says the prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. The Bible says to consider the ant, because he so, he stores up his, his food, I'm paraphrasing here, in the, in the summer, so that there's there's food for you know in the winter, essentially. And these are things that we should be thinking about regarding protecting our families as well. So it says that they might all be damned to have believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Most of these people have pleasure in staying in their own little world, and the reality is is they don't even have a clue what's coming upon them. And it could literally start this week, maybe this month, but I doubt we're going to get out of this year. Now, I know I said that about 2009, but there was also a lot of people praying about giving things, and this is why I present this stuff on a week-to-week basis So that Christians can pray about these things, so that they'll know to pray about them. Because without Christians knowing about these things, how would they ever pray about it? So Satan's agenda, if it's hidden, if it's in the dark, Christians aren't going to pray about it. Which is exactly what he wants. So what we want to do is we want to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and have no fellowship with them. And make them manifest as the Bible talks about And I'll give you that verse, and I know I've quoted that a lot, but Ephesians 5, 11, 13-16, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. And again, reprove means to blame, to convince a fault, to make it manifest. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awakest thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and and sleepest. Awake that. There's a lot of people right now that are asleep. But the Bible gives the hope here that you can still wake up. Awake thou that sleepest. That's what our prayer really should be for the body of Christ right now. The ones that are really saved, but they're kind of asleep. You know? Now, I'm not saying all pastors are, uh, there are... There are many that are sounding the warning. But unfortunately most aren't. They're, they're just not. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, that means cautiously, with watchfulness on every way, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So, the Bible says in Proverbs 26, 4, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. I believe that this is typically, you know, you have to pray about these things, too. Just don't let me pray about all these things, how you answer a person. But there is a time when you don't answer a fool, and there's a time when you answer them. Typically, if you're going to answer a fool, it's going to be at the very beginning. And, um, you know, don't let it consume your life. I have a lot of people say, I've been trying to reach this person for like a year, and all he ever wants to do is argue, and all it's doing is eating up their time. That's it. And a lot of times these are people that are already so brainwashed into a system. At this, What I tell people at that point, you know, pray, pray for him if you feel led fast about it, but don't continue to waste all your time on one particular person, because if you let it, the devil will eat up all your time, and it's going to be for nothing. Why? Because Matthew 7, 6 says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So again, this information, you know, is very valuable, and there's a, you know, when you don't answer a fool accord to its folly, it's it's also, give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. Now again, these are things you need to pray about, but remember, there's, there's verses that, Go either way on this particular subject. Now Job 11.2 says, Should not the multitude of words be answered? So in other words, somebody comes to you all high and proud and haughty and mighty. Oh, I know this and you don't know this and I'm so special because God spoke to me and he didn't speak to you. You know how much I've gotten that over the years. So I come back to them typically and I'll say, wow, you're so holy. You're so spiritual. You're so much better than me. I could never hold a candle to you. You're a spiritual giant. Why would you even bother with a little peon like me? Little old me. Why would you even care? You're so close to God. I'll typically, you know, I can't help but be sarcastic a lot of times. And then I will ask them, I'll say, so you're telling me that you're the only person on the planet that God has revealed this to? You're so special and you're so much better the, the rest of the body of Christ, that you're the only one on the planet that knows this truth, and no one else knows it but you. Now, I can't tell you how many times over the years in the position that I'm in, in this ministry, where I've had these types of inquiries and emails. Um, and, you know, it's typically where you get somebody that, that believes that, you know, they're hearing from God, but the problem is, is, virtually 100% of the time, whatever they're telling me doesn't line up with the word of God. And the Bible says the test of a prophet in Deuteronomy 18 is he should get it right 100% of the time, and I'm paraphrasing here, if he's of God. Okay? And also, that the prophecy should not contradict the word of God. If you go back uh, two or three chapters of Deuteronomy, you'll read that as well. So in other words, even if he's getting it right, if what he's telling you is contradicting the word of God, he's still a false prophet. So there's really, those two tests are are the main test of a false prophet opposed to uh, an accurate, uh, biblical, godly prophet. A godly prophet should be getting it right 100% of the time, and it shouldn't be contradicting the word of God. Because why? Because God is not the author of confusion. And the Bible says, God said, I have magnified thy word above my name. He's magnified his word above his name. So his word's at a very, very high level. The Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled where? In heaven. So it's written in stone in heaven. And this is why I tell people it's very important what Bible you're reading because Bibles like the NIV and these other uh, modern-day Bible versions, uh, the NIVs removed over 64,000 words compared to the KJV. And it's translated from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts as their source, the, uh, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus, which were translated by two uh, occultists in 1881 into the Revised Version, which essentially spawned virtually all the modern-day Bible versions, not including the King James. That's a whole other study. I've done that. Um, and You can find that on YouTube. Just Kean Scott Johnson and KJV on YouTube, and you'll find that study. So again, there's times, there's different areas and times that you do different things regarding this matter. Um, but I wanted to go over those uh, before we get into the into the study here. So let's go ahead and get into this. And here, here's a great example of separating truth from lies. And I guess this is a good segue into this, because there is a huge swath of professing Christians right now that are just convinced... Number one, God's totally done with the Jews. That the Jews that are there aren't even the real Jews. They're just imposters. Even though they fulfilled all these prophecies in the Bible about God bringing them back into the land, and no matter how much uh, the the overwhelming odds that have been against them since they've been back in the land, they've virtually won every battle they've ever... uh, Carried out against the Muslims, who are their avowed enemy, whose only solution to them, according to the Quran, is total annihilation. According to all of their, whether you could go Yasser, Arafat or whatever, you know, mullahs or whatever person they're following, the only solution for the Islamic Muslim crowd is total annihilation of the Jews. And it's not going to happen. And there's a huge uh, number of professing Christians that are absolutely aligned with the Muslims. Because you've got to be on one side or the other. Now, I understand Israel is not perfect. I understand there are some very, very wicked people in the high level of government in Israel. I understand, and I've done whole studies exposing Judaism the rabbis, and the Talmud, and the Midrash, and the blasphemy they've used against Jesus Christ. But the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. The fullness of the Gentile, I believe, is right there, just about there, and I really believe that when the tribulation starts, the emphasis is going to go back to Israel. And I'm saying that based on the book of Daniel and based on the book of Revelation. The Bible gives, you know, the 144,000 in Revelation 7 and in Revelation 14, it gives them tribe by tribe, Jewish male virgins. If you read both chapters, you can come to really no other conclusion. A lot of people want to spiritualize that. Oh, no, it doesn't really mean that. Actually, those are the, those, those are, the big one now is, the, is those are actually black people that are actually, nothing against black people. But you don't know how many emails I've gotten requesting me to do a study on the he, black Hebrew Israelites. They claim, oh, this one from, like, this tribe from wherever Jamaica is this tribe. And they're superimposing it. God is not the author of confusion. If that was the case, why didn't he put them in Israel to begin with? Or, no, it's the British Israelism. We've, We've replaced the Jews. God's done with the Jews, and we're, you know. In fact, God hates them. You know, I've heard all kinds of things about that. And, and if you doubt this, just read just read Romans 10. Read Romans 10. And, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll clear it up for you. Romans 9, too, you can you can read that. Uh, even Romans 11. And again, there's a lot of places that you can confirm this. Okay? So, there's just a lot of this that goes on regarding this subject. And, um... I think it's important, as I've said many times in the past, to have biblical balance in regard to Israel. Uh, I don't believe like John Hagee does that they get a get-out-of-hell free card pass called ethnic salvation, where John Hagee has flat-out stated that, you know, and people like him that believe in ethnic salvation, that they don't need the gospel. They're, they're going to heaven just by virtue of being, you know, Jews. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, and I'm not also going to then go to the other extreme where I condemn the whole race and just lump, throw the baby out with the bathwater and lump them all in with the wicked uh, Illuminati Zionists like the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and all these, these bloodline Luciferians who claim to be Jews, but the Bible says they call themselves Jews, but they themselves are of the synagogue of Satan. They're not real Jews in God's eyes. So, again, you can do a whole study on that. I've I've gotten into this in many other studies in the past. I just wanted to touch on that. This whole thing that happened this week, regarding, and it really happened right after the last study I did, uh, regarding this Free Gaza flotilla, and and the ship that got boarded, the Mavi Marama, and these IDF soldiers, well, I put out an email right when this happened. Because I looked at the footage... Uh, that I was getting, and I said, well, this is overwhelming, obviously. What happened is, uh, and, and most of you are all, all going to know this, um, this this report that I got, and here's what's been typically presented. video. This was a video taken by IDF Naval Boat, boat shows the passengers of the Mavi Marama, one of the ships of the Free Gaza Flotilla, violently attacking IDF soldiers. Actually, I'm sorry, this isn't the typical, this is the truth violently attacking IDF soldiers who were trying to board the ship after having sent repeated requests for the boat to change course. Large groups of passengers surrounded the soldiers, beat them with metal poles and chairs, and threw one soldier over the side of the ship. Now, you can watch this on the video. And the video is pretty clear. It's done with a night vision camera. It's obvious it's a night vision camera. My dad used to uh, install security cameras, and and, and it's a night vision, most likely uh, IR, meaning infrared camera. Uh, some passengers grabbed pistols from the IDF soldiers, IDF meaning Israeli Defense Force, and opened fire. As a result of the attack, seven IDF soldiers were injured. Nine of the passengers were killed. The Free Gaza Flotilla had publicly insisted on their non-violent intentions. What a lie from the pit of hell that is, and we're going to look at that in depth. However, their violent attack on IDF soldiers was clearly premeditated. We're going to prove this, This isn't something that I'm going to give you my opinion on. We're going to show you what they said and what they did prior to this ever even happening. These very same people on this very same ship. But again, all of this is being repressed in the media. They had knives, metal rods, firebombs, and other items ready to use that were confiscated and photographed after the attack. And they show you this. I give you three videos you can watch here. The first one you probably should watch is where it shows the IDF Navy warning the flotilla as they're approaching. They're on the thing, they're doing it very politely, they're warning these people. Now, Israel has a right to blockade its own waters if it wants to. Do, do we in America have that right to blockade a ship that would come that we might be thinking is bringing weapons or who knows what? Or helping terrorists? Would we have that right? Would, would we ever be questioned or any country if they were going to stop a ship to inspect it or to put it at another port where those goods could be inspected that's that's all they wanted to do they're they're like you just can't come in to this particular port you can go to this other port and your goods will be inspected and then if they clear that then they'll be shipped over land and we'll help you do that we'll help bring the aid in to the Gaza Strip that wasn't good enough for these terrorists why? Because it was all premeditated. And again, we will get into this. Uh, there's... You can watch the video. They, as soon as they're repelling onto the ships, these IDF soldiers, and as soon as they're on the ships, they're being beat with, you know, like I said, um, I, I saw slingshots on the thing. There was a whole bunch of marble bags that they had there. they um... Uh... They were all kind of, you know, weapons that they had created. And they were beating them as soon as they got on board. They threw the one guy overboard, over the side. And then they started grabbing for their guns. Well, at what point was it okay for Israel to defend herself, the IDF soldiers? At what point was it? They had warned these people prior to them coming. They shouldn't have ever been there in the first place. And yet they defied that, saying, no, we're going to break through this blockade. What right do they have to do to break their laws? They're not even in their country. None of, I don't think any of these people had passports with them. They were all there essentially illegally as illegal aliens because they didn't want to have any identification. That way they couldn't be identified. And that way if they were on any kind of list, they, they wouldn't be able to be identified. That was all by design too as well. They knew what they were doing. It was all premeditated. It was all preplanned. And it was all meant to demonize Israel again in the media. And I am just so sick of of this going on over and over and over again. No other country on the world would permit all the stuff that's happened to Israel. And yet Israel feels like they've always got to be in this apologetic mode. As though defending themselves, they have to apologize for it. No, No nation on the world has been more attacked and more maligned, and more in the media, and physically attacked than Israel. And we're going to prove it. I'm not going to just say this and go on. This next article is uh, from Israel Today. It says, at least (coughs) a dozen people were killed and many more wounded early Monday morning. When Israel, and again, these these aren't, uh, they're saying nine were killed now, but This was right when it happened. Early Monday morning, when Israeli soldiers sent to board a a six blockade-busting international aid ships, their whole goal was to bust the blockade. It wasn't to get aid to Gaza. It was to create an international incident. They were forcing it. They were forcing Israel. They were putting them in a corner where they had no choice but to board this ship. And as soon as they boarded it, they were all attacked. It was all caught on camera. And I've even seen that footage on mainstream media, yet they act as though Israel had no right to board. And that it was Israel's fault that they were attacked immediately. How is it Israel's fault? I, The Muslim religion, and I've, I've done studies on this before, is the most hypocritical bunch of liars I have ever seen on planet Earth. Lying is part and parcel of that religion. And I'm going to prove it today with quotes from their own unholy books. The aid ship set off from Turkey during the weekend, insisting that their cargo was desperately needed by residents of Gaza, despite the fact that Gaza is receiving many more times humanitarian aid each week via Israel. They don't need this This desperately needed aid. That was a big lie from the pit of hell too. Israel's sending them many more times this amount in humanitarian aid. Israel! They're giving their enemies aid but it's not bullets and things like that but it's it's humanitarian aid. But again, Israel, Israel gets no credit for that at all. No. They're demonized. The ships were also carrying many items Israel is trying to keep out of Gaza because they have been used in the past by Hamas to to build rockets and bunkers. Well, that seems pretty reasonable, doesn't it? Why would you want to let material in that was going to be used to build bunkers or rockets or whatever? The flotilla organizers originally said they would not use violence if confronted by the Israeli Navy. But they're liars. And it's okay for them to be a liar, according to their unholy books, and we'll get into that eventually. But an Israeli army spokesman said that the first soldier over the side of the main flotilla ship uh, after it ignored radio calls to halt, was immediately stabbed in the chest. The first soldier was immediately stabbed in the chest. The spokesman said that in addition to many activists wielding knives and metal bars. And again, you can see this right on the video. And this is a video I saw on mainstream news as well. At least two were armed with guns, uh, forcing the Israeli troops to use deadly force to seize control of ships. Well, they, they may have got the guns from uh, the... Uh, these IDF troops that they disabled. It's hard to say in, in a battle or a melee exactly where exactly they got the guns. Fat, the fact remains is they were beating them with, with rods and they had slingshots and all kinds of stuff right as they were repelling onto the ship. In addition to the dozen or so fatalities among the activists, some 50 were wounded and transferred to Israeli hospitals for treatment. At least 10 Israeli soldiers were also wounded too seriously. This was not a peace mission. It was an act of terror, said IDF spokesman, Colonel Avi Binnenheim. In a, in an address to the press later in the morning, Deputy Foreign Minister Danny Aulon called the incident, quote, a premeditated and outrageous provocation. He said Israeli troops had found many weapons prepared beforehand for use against Israeli forces aboard the ships. It was an ambush for Israeli soldiers. Now, when I watched this all originally... It was so obvious that this is exactly what had happened. It wasn't even a question. You have the video to prove it. You know how the Muslims are. You could just assume that if they're going to do anything regarding Israel, that they're going to try to make themselves look like, oh, the poor Muslims. We just wanted to get this humanitarian aid in there. Our intentions were pure, pure as the driven snow. Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm intentions. But they're liars. And they're taught that they should lie in regarding to advancing Allah's agenda, particularly if it has anything to do with the the Israelites. Demonize them anyway, they can demonize them. Because they can't beat them in war. So what they're trying to do right now is get the whole world turned against Israel, and the Bible, you know, pretty much predicts that's going to happen at one one point or another. And this is is further proof and further confirmation of the Bible. (coughs) Going further... Elion said the presence of weapons aboard the ships only further demonstrated that the flotilla's purpose was not humanitarian. Why would they have weapons aboard the ship if their purpose was humanitarian? For weeks leading up to the launch of the flotilla, Israel told its organizers in the Free Gaza Movement that many tons of humanitarian aid were entering Gaza every day. It was telling them, we're giving them humanitarian aid and that Israel would gladly add the permitted goods they had collected to the aid truck convoys. Uh, so they told them they would do that, but it wasn't good enough. But alien said Israel was repeatedly informed that the Free Gaza Movement, first and foremost, intended to break the Israeli maritime blockade on Gaza and its Hamas rulers. So, in other words, they were going to usurp their... Illegal, ungodly selves on this blockade and break it. They were going to enforce their whims and ways onto Israel. And Israel said, no, no, you're not going to. You don't have any right. I mean, it was beyond reasonable what Israel was asking and the proposals they made. But it wasn't good enough for them. It wasn't good enough. I, I just showed uh, Lunetta and Taylor the, the video for um, when they were being warned prior, this Mavi Marana ship, prior to them coming, this very, very nice warning that the IDF was trying to give them, stating them what they already knew, and yet they still came... Through this, and I want you to hear it as well, because the, the is the uh, Israelis are smart because they're recording everything, and therefore there was only. Granted, I know they're being demonized in the news, which is unbelievable because all you have to do is watch the video footage to understand that this is an absolute farce in in travesty of justice. But they've got everything recorded, and they're smart because you know they they can show you this, and it, it proves to you what's actually really going on but it's all being ignored in the, in the mainstream media let's just go ahead and listen to this right now and uh, we'll hear what they said to him right prior to coming into port here area of hostilities which is under okay sorry about that I'm trying to get this so you hear the whole thing mavi Marmara. You are approaching an area of hostilities which is under a naval blockade. The Gaza area, coastal region and Gaza harbor are closed to all maritime traffic. The Israeli government supports delivery of humanitarian supplies to the civilian population in the Gaza Strip and invites you to enter the Ashdod port. How much nicer delivery could they be? Of the supplies in accordance with the authorities' regulations, will be through the formal land crossings and under your observation, after which you can return to your home ports aboard the vessels on which you arrived. Okay, so that was... I mean, you're, you're watching the literally the bridge of the ship, uh, of the IDF, where they're telling how much more nicer and above board could they be? I mean, these people knew that this was off limits. They knew, and and Israel knew they were on their way, and yet they were still nice to them. You know, it's just, it's unbelievable what, what has went on here, and yet, again, the mainstream media is just totally ignoring all this stuff. I haven't been. I haven't seen one person be able to debunk these videos, uh, not one. So going back to this article, it said that um, uh, again they found many weapons on the ships afterward, and again the other video actually photographs all the weapons they were once once the battle was was over. They got all the weapons together, and you see all of them on the on the top of the ship. That they're that they're photographing and and you're seeing this firsthand. I mean, it's not something that it would make sense. You know, you see these people beating these IDF soldiers as soon as they get on board. They're throwing stuff at them as they're rappelling down the ropes. And you saw the kind of warning they got. It wasn't like they were trying to provoke something, but this is what Muslims do. Okay? And I know you could say, well, I have a Muslim friend, he's not like this. Well, he's not reading his Quran or following it. Because they should be doing this if they're going to follow the Quran. They should make holy war or jihad against the unbelievers and kill them, according to the Quran and these other you know, people that, that are leaders in this movement. That's what the Quran teaches. And we'll look at that too in this study. Now, I've done several teachings on the hypocrisy of the Islamic Muslim religion. It knows no end. It truly does. It it knows no end. Uh, So the the main goal here was for them to break the uh, Israeli maritime blockade. Now, I've said the mainstream media has really led the way regarding this. There's been universal condemnation from tons and tons of countries. The United Nations you know, Turkey, which is where the blockade originated from, all the Muslim world, they're having riots, things of this nature. And I've also seen uh, Christian organizations and alternative news, many, uh, almost virtually every one of the alternative news sources that I cite are, are absolutely on the side of, um, of the United Nations and, and the Muslims. Absolutely. They're in universe. In fact, the the head of the spear... At the spear tip of this, I would have to say Alex Jones' website is at the tip of the spear regarding this. And that Paul Craig Watson guy or whatever. He's wrote all kinds of things. And I thought to myself, are are, are you guys insane? Did you watch the videos? I sent them all the footage. Got no response whatsoever. So, you know... (laughs) I tell you, I, I glean stuff from from Alex Jones, but um, I tell you, I, I was I was about as upset and angry with his website because I think I saw more articles coming out of his website buying in to this propaganda that this was all Israel's fault than any other site. So I, you know, Joe, Joe, Alex, you're you're in, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're in grave danger in God's eyes if you continue this trend. I really do. I believe that. Uh, and I'm going to prove that later in the study. We're going to go into that particular subject. And I've gone into that subject before in the past. But um, I-, I couldn't warn Alex Jones more, more harshly or more sternly that, that he needs to get, the, get his facts straight and he needs to, to uh, uh, back off. Because you also understand, when you align yourself with the Muslims and Islam, not only are you aligning yourself with the United Nations and almost all New, new World Order organizations and New Agers. I'm on a lot of different... I, I reference New Ager uh, websites for, for, to see where they're at, where are they at in their agenda. And there's almost a universal condemnation always of Israel. Always you're going to see that. You're also you're all, obviously going to get universal condemnation from Muslims. And, and, but most of the free world is, is in a condemning Israel mode. Totally throwing out the baby with the bathwater type of mode. But also, please bear in mind, who are two of the other figures that have always offered almost universal condemnation of Israel? Benjamin Krem and Maitreya. You go up their website, you can do keyword searches for Israel, and and it is always... Always, always they are aligning themselves with the Muslim in the Islamic movement. Every single time. Universal condemnation of Israel. Israel is the bane of all existence. They're the reason this world, they're a big gigantic reason this world is the way it is. And they, they have to stop. And they have to be, the reality is, is if they said what they really meant, they would say they have to be eliminated. Why would, why would Satan want Israel to be wiped off the planet? Didn't he kind of try that with Hitler? Okay, didn't he kind of already do that once? Why would he want to do that? Well, obviously so that the Bible, in the, particularly the book of Revelation, could not be fulfilled. There's a lot of references to the Jews, whether it be the 144,000, the 12 tribes, and these types of things. There's a lot of references to the Jews in the book of Revelation. Well, if, if Satan could somehow find a way to totally annihilate the Jews... Prior to the tribulation, well, then the book of Revelation could never come to pass. It could never be true. So that's what he's focusing in on right now. He's desperately trying to prove the word of God wrong. But remember, God is always a hundred steps ahead of Satan. He's essentially using him to do his bidding. Okay, so it's never going to happen. But people need to understand the big picture of why is there this demonization going on. Here's the next article. The flotilla, organi- uh, this is, um, I'll just start reading. Organizers of this flotilla, this Islamic flotilla that was trying to break, break through this Israeli naval blockade of Gaza, they were using children as human shields to keep Israel from attacking the boats. Chairman Bulmet Yildrim of the Turkish Humanitarian Relief Foundation known by its Turkish initials as IHH, said so, he said so, not the Israelis, he said so, during an interview on the group's website in which he was seen holding a baby that was on board the boat Mavi Marama, which is the boat that uh, this attack took place on. Organizers have expressed a wish that any confrontation between the boats and the Israeli Navy take place during the day. For better media coverage. They expected the confrontation to take place during the daylight hours Monday morning, but the Israeli Navy intercepted the lead ship late Sunday night. Now, this isn't the IDF or Israel saying this. This is I don't know why they would even admit to this. But this is from this the, the essentially the IHH, which were the ones behind the goods, and behind this flotilla, the Turkish Humanitarian Relief Foundation, this was from the chairman he said this. Bulent Yildirim. And I, again, I give you the links to all these things. You can check them all out. He was seen holding a baby on board. And they, this is typical. I had this person that, one of the reasons I checked into this further is because I had this this, uh, Person emailed me this week and he said, Look at what the Jews do. They, they, they use, um, they attack these civilian sites and they attack Muslim women and children and all these other things. And I emailed them back. I said, The only reason that any women or children have ever been killed in IDF attacks is because the Muslims. Preposition them there and make sure they're there so that they can get maximum media coverage. They'll launch rockets right out of, of a school or they'll launch rockets right from an area where there's women and children and when the IDF retaliate, then women and children get killed. But that's 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 Israel's fault. Do you understand? They're so slime-buckety that that is what they do. They'll put women and children in harm's way in order to... to and they don't care if they get killed. In fact, the more they get killed, the better, because they figure, oh, these are sacrifices to Allah, Allah is pleased, this and that. These people are, are particularly the ones at, at the top, they are truly demon-possessed. That's the only conclusion I could come to. But Israel is the is the one that gets the blame for the very things that the Muslim terrorists are guilty of. The, these organizers of, the, uh, of this uh, they said they expected the confrontation. And they knew there was going to be a confrontation. Why? Because they were going to make sure there was a confrontation because they were not going to stop. They were going to break through the blockade. They wanted an international incident. It was all predetermined. It was all pre-planned. They expected the confrontation to take place during the daylight hours, Monday morning, but Israeli Navy intercepted the lead ship late Sunday night. Now, where do we have other proof that this has happened in the past? This article is from last year, uh, January 15th. It's entitled, Hamas uses children, the United Nations, and the press as human shields in Gaza. In other words, they, they've done this for, for, this is standard coward battle tactics for the Islamics. This is what they do. In order to avoid civilian casualties, Israel sends warning messages before attacking terrorist targets, advising civilians to leave. Again, what more could they do? Israel prefers to attack empty buildings used to manufacture rockets, even taking into consideration that terrorists too will be warned and their lives will be spared. Hamas, on the other hand, which is the Israeli terror, or the Islamic terrorists, Hamas, on the other hand, calls on civilians to come and protect, with their bodies, the precise locations they expect Israel to attack. Since they know Israel will usually strike from the air, they send the children to the roofs to prevent the Air Force from targeting that building. This is what they do. They will do and say anything in order to advance their wicked Islamic agenda. They will put children right in the line of fire. It's standard procedure for them. Now, that's sick. This is what needs to be known about this religion of peace, as they call themselves. Four United Nation officials were killed in Lebanon by an apparent Israeli airstrike. Within hours of the event, former UN Secretary Kofi Annan announced his belief that Israel had deliberately targeted the UN personnel. Annan demanded that, quote, any further attack on UN positions and personnel must stop, end of quote. Yesterday, strong evidence came to light suggesting that Hezbollah was effectively using the United Nations position as a shield. If they can't use women and children, they'll use the United Nation position. Conducting attacks against Israel, knowing that any Israeli response was likely to hit the United Nations post. You see how sneaky and slimy they are? The the New York Sun reports that one of the UN officials killed in the attack had earlier sent emails saying Hezbollah was, quote, all over his position. the, The New York Sun reported on this. The UN, the UN official said, these Hezbollah guys are all over our position. The receipt of those emails, uh, a former general, a major general in the Canadian military named Louis McKenzie describes their contents. This was the contents of uh, these emails. This is a former major general in the Canadian military, Louis McKenzie. He said, quote, what he was telling us, this UN official, was that the Hezbollah fighters were all over... The United Nations position, and that the IDF were targeting them, and that's a favorite trick by people who don't have representation in the United Nations. They use the UN as shields, knowing they cannot be punished for it. Why? Because they don't have any representation. So I guess they can't be held accountable. I don't know. Uh, that goes on to say, to Hezbollah civilians and UN positions are strategic assets. The terrorist group routinely launches attacks from residential areas and near UN posts. Hezbollah knows that this puts Israel in a bind. What cowardice. Fight like men. If you're going to fight like this, fight and die like men. Don't be a coward like this and hide behind civilian women and children positions. And yet they act like, oh, we're, we're so brave and we're so tough and all this other stuff. I see a lot of cowardice hiding behind children. It's pathetic. If Israel decides to respond, that response will provide a tear-jerking scene for the evening news where the headline will be Israeli bomb kills civilians, which is exactly what the Muslims want. In fact, they would prefer that. They would prefer to have civilians killed. That way, Israel's demonized. Whereas if Israel just doesn't attack, then they can't be demonized in the news. That's how sick they are. But if Israel backs down out of fear of how the media will report the story, which has been, you know, their problem for literally since all this started, then Hezbollah gets a safe haven where they can launch attacks with impunity. Hezbollah wins either way, with a propaganda victory or a military one. This is why I think it's so absolutely, totally insane that the Muslims are, are there at all. They should have been driven out a long, long, long time ago. Because if they were far far enough away, they couldn't pull all this stuff off. But it's literally like having your worst enemy that wants to kill and annihilate you, living next door. It's insanity. There is no peace process. There is no peace process that will ever work. Nor do the Muslims want a peace process. The only thing they want peace processes for is so that Israel will give up more and more land and they can move the rockets closer and closer and closer in and they, they can have a better chance of annihilating them. That's the only reason that they've that they would. They've even admitted that. And I'll, I'm going to give you some of those quotes. Ambassador Gabriella Shaliv, permanent representative of Israel, recently told the UN, quote... For eight years, the citizens of... Now, remember, this was written last year in January. For eight years, the citizens of southern Israel have suffered the trauma of almost daily missile attacks from Gaza. So, Israel's bringing in all this humanitarian relief. This is the main area where they've had all these problems. Okay? And Israel is rewarded for letting these people live in Gaza and bringing in this humanitarian aid with... Constant daily missile attacks. And they wonder why there might be a naval blockade up to the Gaza waters. Oh, those wicked Israelis, how could they possibly do this? They're preventing humanitarian aid. Give me a break. I mean, they're they're being attacked every single day. No wonder they would want to inspect whatever was coming in for rockets or bullets or whatever they could use to defend themselves. They don't want to let rockets that are going to come in, that are going to be launched at Israel. I mean, this is all common sense I'm talking about here. This is, this is kindergarten common sense. But yet it's totally ignored in the mainstream media and by a, lot of, uh, by a lot of the alternative media, and like I just referenced Alex Jones, and a lot of these other ones. And the New Age movement is universally against them. And Maitreya and Krem are universally against them. <laughs> I mean, look whose side you're, you're siding with if you're on the side of the Muslims not just the Muslim side you're on. You're on all this other wickedness as well, or aligned with them. For eight years, at the time of this writing, more than 8,000 rockets and mortar shells have targeted Israeli towns and villages. For eight years, the residents of these towns have had a bare 15 seconds to hurry with their children and their elderly to find cover before the rockets and missiles landed on their houses and schools. No state would permit such attacks on its citizens, nor should it. But yet Israel has to endure this. Israel is the exception of the rule. In fact, if Israel doesn't allow it, they're the bane of all humanity. This is beyond insanity. I I want you to understand how insane this is. Because I think it's important to God, too, that we understand how insane this is. Not just to get mad about it, but to righteously, indignantly pray about this. To be angry and sin not. But this is something that that should anger you. Because it's such a travesty of justice. I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I see injustice being committed, I don't care where it's at. I just, I I can't help but get mad. I I abhor injustice. Now, I'm not saying we should go around and cuss and do all this other stuff. But I'm saying, direct that anger into prayer. That's where I believe God wants us directing it. And I'm telling you right now, I, I, if I get righteous indignant in prayer, I, I literally, I, the, those types of prayers, I have seen God answer almost more than any other prayer I've ever prayed. I'm not saying that should be always the way we pray. But there's certain things, you know, the, God, the Bible says God is angry with the wicked every day. And these are things that should get us upset and should get us motivated to pray about. Going further, it says, Hamas has no interest in making peace with the enemy. For Hamas, peace is the enemy. Again, peace is their enemy. They don't want peace. Its only interest is in establishing a regime of tyranny for Gazans and a terror for the Israelis. So that's it. So now let's look at some quotes from the Islamic Quran. These will get you feeling good. Surah 3360, which is like a book, and this is their, their verse for the book in the Quran. What does Surah 3360 say? Allah, who is the fallen angelic moon god and not the god of the Bible, and we've proved this in times past as well, Allah has cursed the unbelievers and proposed them for a blazing hell. Unbelievers in Islam. That's what Islam thinks about you if you're a Christian or anyone that doesn't believe as the Quran teaches. Uh, What does Surah 41.14 say? Unbelievers are enemies of Allah, and they will all roast in hell. Surah 48.29. Muhammad is Allah's prophet. Those who follow him are ruthless to unbelievers. So in other words, if you're following the Quran, and you're being a good little Islamic whatever, you're supposed to be ruthless to unbelievers well, I know a lot of Muslims and they're not like that. Well, they're not following the Quran. They're just a lukewarm Muslim. If they were being fundamental to their faith, like a fundamental Christian is, fundamental to the Word of God, if they were being fundamental to the Quran, they should be doing this. It shouldn't be the exception to the rule. It should be the way it's done. Strapping on a nail bomb and going in and and, and blowing yourself up in an Israeli cafe should be what they're doing. That verse ends by saying, well, let me read it again. Uh, Those who follow him, meaning Allah, are ruthless to the unbelievers. Through them, Allah seeks to enrage the unbelievers. Now, notice that. Allah seeks to enrage. Doesn't this enrage you? That's what Allah, that's what he's trying to do. But I'm saying we should direct this into prayer and fasting. You know, above all, may the Lord's will be done. But, you know, most likely the world's gonna, you know, the world's universally gonna turn its back on Israel. And they're gonna have to rely on the God of the Bible for deliverance. As is the Christian remnant. I, I don't think we're gonna be in a deli- different position. Surah 9 123 says, believers make war on the infidels. An infidel is literally defined as an unbeliever in Islam. Okay? Make war on the infidels who dwell around you. Let them find harshness in you. Another uh, version of the Quran reads, Ye who believe, murder those of the disbelievers. It's telling them to murder us. Here's another quote. Surah 98.51 says, The unbelievers among the people of the book. Now I'm going to define that in a second. The unbelievers among the people of the book. And it's in, people in book are capitalized. And the pagans shall burn forever in the fire of hell. They are, of the, they are the vilest of creatures. That's what the lovely Quran, the book of the religion of peace says. About the pagans and the people of the book. Well, who are the people of the book? I kind of wondered that. So I went up on the, on the internet yesterday and I, look, I did a quote search for people of the book. And guess what I found? Right up there, the definition of this, from the Muslims, people of the book, and they even give the Arabic spelling of this, is a term used to designate non-Muslim adherents to faiths which have a book of prayer. The two faiths that are mentioned in the Quran as the people of the book are Judaism and Christianity. That's the people of the book says they shall burn in the fire of hell. And they are the vilest of creatures. That's what the Quran teaches the Islamic and the Muslims about you, if you're a Christian. So, I think we should understand the premise of this most vile, hypocritical, satanic religion. I mean, I pray that their souls be saved, if it be possible. But, I also do not want them to prosper in their wickedness. I give you a link here to uh, contact your, your U.S. representative and your two senators and ask them to strongly support the efforts by Israel to protect themselves from the Islamic terrorist activity in the Gaza Strip. In other words, if there's no public outcry at all in America, that's going to basically give um, our administration the green light to say, well, you know, <laughs> we're, we, we can turn against... Israel, because none of the Christians care anymore. And, and again, they gauge public outcry. I know a lot of people say, oh, we shouldn't even be worried about any of that, or this or that. Well, okay, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe God's told you don't worry about it. Okay, I'm not going to speak on God's behalf. But if you do do this, you're at least sending them a clear signal that there are people that do care about this particular thing. I'm going to go ahead and end part one there. We're going to go to part two next.